2 Timothy chapter 3. It'll be verses 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. We're glad you're here. If you're visiting, I mean, we're so glad you're here. I've already welcomed you, but, uh, you know, our church is, we have a really sweet church, and I know uh, people visit week in and week out, and, and we pray that God would direct your steps to where you need to be, because not only do you need to be in a good church, but you need to be in a good church regularly with uh, people who love the Lord and people that you want to live life with. And that's what church is. Church isn't just coming Sunday morning and hearing preaching. Church is living life together. And that's hard to do because we're sinful and, and we struggle with each other sometimes, just like a family. You know, we have to bear with one another. And, but that's how we grow. But I, I'm really, um, I love our church. It's always good to go away. But for me, it's so, so much sweeter to, to come home. And when Jenny and I, we were overseas for... Uh, many years, and we were on our last flight back. We knew we were coming back to the States for for a while. And it's like, all right, our traveling days are over, girl. We're going home. And um, But we had a great week. Thankful for you allowing us to go and, and have that time to get refreshed and learn and grow. But I want to ask the kids, if you're second grade and under, to come and, and line up at the door, get ready for... Children's Church, got a good group. Uh, thankful for our Children's Church teachers. And while they're exiting, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Jake read the, Jake's pulling double duty today, man. He read scripture and now he's going back teaching the youngins. Thanks, brother. You did a great job. Hey, buddy. You did a great job reading scripture too. 2, Corinthians, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 17. Um, turn there in your Bibles. Like I said, the Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it'll, it'll make your uh, time more productive. You look in the Word. We're going to just walk through verses 10 through 17. And that's what we do here at Beaver. We're, we just do expository preaching where we just go through books, teach through books of the Bible. Because as, as you read the Bible, that's how you read the Bible. You know, sometimes we just open it up and flip to somewhere in the Bible and just read a section. But that's not really generally how you read a book. And so we just walk through books of the Bible. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 is Brian taught last week the first few verses, nine verses of chapter 3, he pointed out that in latter times some people will be lovers of themselves and oppose the truth. Are we in the latter times? Are we in the latter days? Yeah, we are. Right? The latter days is from the time Jesus 
ascended to the second coming, right? And he hasn't come yet. And so we're in the latter days. But what's going to happen is they're going to replace God worship with self-worship. He did a great job teaching through that passage. But here in verses 10 through 17 of 2 Timothy 3, Paul is contrasting himself with the likes of Janus and Jambres and those who oppose the truth. Here in our text today, Paul is pointing out his example for Timothy. And Timothy had observed Paul, and not just from afar. He had seen him up close, right? It's as if Paul had Timothy move in with him, and he's seen him handle good times, and he's seen him walk through difficult times, adversity, hard times. And Paul had been a great example to his young son in the faith. And he'd even been a great example amidst those difficult times, amidst suffering and Persecution. I was thinking about carpenters. We moved back to the, to the States. We had to remodel our house. And it was just real difficult finding somebody that would actually show up, like be there when they say they're going to be there. You know, so I had to go through several people to find somebody that I could trust that was going to keep his word and be there when he said he was going to be there. But it's like a carpenter. And he's building something, and he orders the material, and, and the material comes when when he orders it and it shows up and it's all exactly what he ordered and, and all the boards are straight. And, and the, the men that he's hired to sub out other things, they, they arrive when they say they're going to and they, they do their work perfectly. And everything's working out smoothly. And he whistles and he's good to his employees, the guys working for him. Because everything's going well. But what about when he orders the lumber for work the next day and, and he shows up and it's not there? And what if he starts pulling those two-by-fours up and he starts looking at them and they're all twisted and warped? And what about it when he's driving that nail in, Terry, and he hits his thumb? How's he going to respond then? How's he going to conduct himself then? Well... Paul had faced a lot of adversity in his ministry, and Timothy had observed him firsthand. And what Timothy observed was Paul handling himself as a man who had character, as a man who loved Jesus. It was good for Timothy to see Paul because you know what's going to happen? Timothy's going to face difficulty too in his latter years. In fact, things are going to get worse for the Christian in this world. But Paul is admonishing Timothy, continue on. Continue on in the Word, which has the power to save. It's beneficial in so many ways, and it equips us to do ministry. And so today, we're, we're, we're going to learn how to be faithful in difficult times. How do we live for Christ in, in difficult days? Now remember, this is Paul's last will and testament. And it's a good word for Timothy, who's a preacher of the word. But, but it's also a good word for us, right, as Christians. So we'll see that we should follow the right examples in verses 10 and 11. And then we'll, we should expect difficult times, verses 12 and 13. And then stick with the word, stick with the scriptures, verses 14 through 17. So the first thing we see is we should follow, in order to, to live and do well in difficult times, we need to follow 
good examples. Now, there were some pretenders who in some ways looked the part. We saw last week, but they were denying the power of godliness, right? I mean, you've heard the term shell of a man. He's a shell of a man. Well, these men were shell of a Christian. They had the appearance of godliness, but there was no substance. They were hollow. There was nothing there. Juxtaposed to them is, is the Apostle Paul. And Paul is telling Timothy, follow his example. You've seen my life, emulate me. And up to this point, Timothy's following Paul. He's seen him in many different settings, and he's traveled with him for 15, 16 years at this point. Paul's an open book for the younger study to learn by and learn from. Notice it says, You, however, have followed my teaching. You, however, right, is contrasting with those we've just read about in verse 1 through 9 from last week. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. So Timothy had seen Paul's life. He'd seen his teaching and his doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, his first letter to Timothy he tells him, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. The teaching is this doctrine. Keep a close eye on doctrine. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Unlike the self-absorbed people in verses 1 through 9, Paul's doctrine was sound. He didn't pull a verse out, twist it, right, justify, to justify his sinful actions. He was careful to follow in the way of the Lord and the teachings of the Word in all its fullness, the whole counsel of God. You've seen, I've held true to correct doctrine. He had followed in Paul's conduct, his manner of life, it says. His conduct. You know, Paul wasn't one who just talked the talk. He, he was one who walked the walk. You've seen it, Timothy, and you're following into my footsteps. That's good. He followed Timothy's aim in life, his purpose. What would you say if you think about Paul's writings? All we know about the Apostle Paul, his letters, and then the book of Acts that tell about his mission trips. What would you say Paul's aim in life was? Any scriptures come to your mind? Think about it for a second. Yeah, be like Christ. Yeah, in fact, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So Paul just didn't want to see people saved, born again. No, he wanted to see people maturing, being sanctified, being like Jesus. Philippians 1.21. Maybe another purpose of Paul's life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think you could probably say, yeah, that might be Paul's purpose in life. To live is Christ, to know Christ, to be like Christ, to emulate Christ, to please Christ. Romans 15. 
verse 20 and 21. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not to where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. You might say his purpose in life is to take the gospel to unreached peoples. And I think that would be a good answer and would be true. What is Paul's purpose in life? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And there's, there's others, right? You take other verses from his epistles. This is Paul's purpose. And he's saying, Timothy, you, you know my purpose. You see me living it out, pursuing it. You followed my, my faith. He trusts the Lord, didn't he? Those of you that went through the New Testament overview study recently on Wednesday nights, do you remember Paul on his third missionary journey? He's going to Jerusalem. And people are telling him, don't go. Paul, don't go. Bad things are going to happen to you there. What's Paul say? It's okay. I want to trust the Lord. He had faith. He trusted God. My love. I'm sorry, my patience. I skipped it. My patience. You read Paul's letters. What's Paul's personality like? Was, this, was he a mercy guy? Mm, I think he's type A. Type A, little, little over the top, little edgy. Do what? Zealous. Zealous? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he wouldn't. So just think about it. He's got this type A personality, but yet, type A personality, but yet, he was patient. Grace given. A lot of us type A people, we're not very grace-given, are we? But he was, he was patient. Timothy, you, you followed my patience. Love, you've followed my love. Romans chapter 9, verse 3, Paul says this about the Jewish people. He's a Jew, right? And he's talking about the Jewish people. And he says... He wished that he himself was accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of the Jews. In other words, like, I'll, I would take your place if I could. I love you so much. He wanted to see those who were like him, Jewish, know their Messiah, Christ. And if we stop there, we might could assume that what many are teaching today and it's true that once you trust Jesus and begin to follow hard after him, life gets real easy. And God makes sure you don't have any troubles. And God's blessing manifests themselves into financial gain. And, and he takes away all your problems because he wants you to be blessed. And he wants to, you, be, you have wealth and happiness and a life of ease. Brent shared a story of how God changed his life. 
He repented and believed as a 50-year-old man. But you know what? Brent's had struggles these last 10 years. He's about to be, he's 59 right now. He's 59, but he's going to have a birthday. And he's had some struggles in life. And look what Paul says. He's, he's naming off all these things. Hey, you've you followed after these things. You're watching my life. You're seeing my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love. Then he says, my steadfastness and perseverance. Steadfastness and perseverance. Why? Paul's saying, because I've suffered. You see me not, not just in good times. Not when things, the boards are straight, the lumber's showing up on time, my, my employees are showing up and working hard and we're getting it all done. No, no. In the difficult times, you've seen my life. Notice he says persecutions and sufferings, afflictions. And he mentions those that happened at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. It was during his first missionary journey, if you remember, Acts 13 and 14. He's going to these cities trying to start churches, sharing the gospel and, and trying to start churches. And In Antioch, Acts chapter 13, verse 44 through 52, we read of Paul. He's preaching to the multitudes of Antioch, and, and, and people are wanting to hear him. Come back. Let's, the next Sabbath, we want to hear you again. And, and, and so many people are coming to hear Paul. And so the unbelieving Jews, they become jealous, and they run him out of town. Okay. He goes 70 miles down the road to Iconium, and same thing. He's preaching the word, preaching the word. Well, the unbelieving Jews, they, again, they get jealous. And this time they warn him or threaten him. They're going to stone him. And so he leaves. He gets out of town. And he goes to Lystra about 20 miles away. And Acts 14, verse 19 through 20. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. I don't know, you're, some of you play baseball. And uh, I don't know, I was always a little bitty. I was always for a little. And so I had some of these guys when they're, when they're batting, the, the ball would be an inside pitch, Morgan, and they would roll up and they would take that pitch on the arm. I had one guy, he would do it on purpose. I don't, I did, he just wasn't a very good hitter. But if the ball was inside, he would kind of put his arm right there and hit him on the back of the arm. And he would just drop his bat, run to first, right? It's like getting a hit. So he did it all the time. Me? Uh, I was too little. I was afraid the ball would break something. So I just, I just didn't do that. But you think about getting hit by a fastball. But that just happened over and over again. They stoned Paul, and they, thought, they stoned him. So they, they did such a good job, they thought he was dead. That happened in Lystra. Who lived in Lystra that we know of? Anybody we know of in the Bible that lived in Lystra? Timothy. Timothy lived in Lystra. Thinking about that. How many of you, um, how many of you remember when the, the Challenger exploded? Do you remember where you were? I remember the exact place I was when that happened. It was such a traumatic experience. It is kind of etched in your mind. As I, as I go around and visit with our homebound folks, folks that are home and can't get out, 
their older folks, and I, we we get to talking about. World, I'm a World War II, but I love World War II, and just talking to some of them and asking them the, about Pearl Harbor, and some of them could tell you when, where they were, and what they were doing when they heard about that on the radio. Nine one one. Nine eleven. Do you remember where you were when you heard about the twin towers being a being flown into? Yeah, I remember. Jenna, you know, we remember the exact place we were because it was just such a and it's etched in my mind. Okay. Timothy's in Lystra, that's where he's from. I can just imagine him when Paul's talking about these persecutions and sufferings, etched in his mind is them, him seeing them stone Paul to death and drag him out of town like a heap of garbage, like a dead dog, thinking he was dead. That just, I, I can imagine that just being etched in Timothy's mind. And Paul saying, you, you know, you, you know that intimately, personally. You saw that with your own eyes. You're following me. You're following me and watching me. Not just in when things are good, but you've seen the difficult days as well. Verse 11 says, even though we went through all these difficult times, the Lord rescued them, right? A lot of close calls. But some difficult times, the Lord rescued him. He's still alive, right? He's in prison and he's waiting his execution. But the Lord up to this point has just delivered him time and time and time again. Now, when we think about persecution and, and, and difficulty, and Paul, Paul's going to teach Timothy, yeah, that's if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian and you live for the Lord, you're going to suffer Somewhat, persecution is going to come. It's not an abnormality. It's not a fluke. It's no. That's what happens to to Christians. You suffer. But, but I'm going to just kind of take a time out, pause for a second. When you're talking about persecution, now there are sometimes people they might suffer. Bad things happen to them, but it's not because of their faith in Christ. Case in point, there's a young man in his 20s. He was at work trying to share the gospel. He really loved the Lord, kind of zealous for the Lord, you know, and he shared the gospel. And um, he ended up getting fired from his job. And he says, you know, man, it's hard working in these environments and trying to live for Jesus. They don't, they don't want Christians working there. Making hard on the Christians, man. Suffering persecution. So I run into a guy that used to work with him and just kind of mentioned, yeah, I know so-and-so. He, he goes to my church. He used to work there. He's like, he goes to church with you? He's like, yeah, man, he didn't, he didn't last long. He said, man, he would show up late. He'd want to leave early. And he was the laziest joker I've ever worked with. So just to, we talk about persecution and, and suffering. 
difficulties sometimes come upon us because we're reaping what we sow. You show up late, you want to leave early, you don't do a good day's work for a day's pay, you ought to get fired. That's not persecution. That's reaping what you sow. So there's one of that caveat, right? Just because you're a Christian, you get fired. That, you're not getting fired because of Jesus necessarily. Because you share the gospel with a coworker, or you're trying to live righteously. It might just be that you're lazy and a, don't have very good character and you need to be sanctified more, right? Anyway, this is a little side note. Paul says, you're, you're following me. You're watching me. And that's good, Timothy. Keep watching me and you emulate me. Paul says this elsewhere, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and 32, and then 11 and 1. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Philippians 3, 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Pretty bold statement there, isn't it? This isn't Jesus. This is Paul. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Speaking probably of the apostles, those with them. At this point, Timothy. Now, you don't hear very many preachers do that. You say, hey, we need to follow Christ's example. Be a bold statement with it. Hey, follow my example. Talking about prayer. Hey, pray like I do. Just pray like I do. You'll be fine. You would think it would be kind of arrogant, wouldn't you? <laughs> Talking about studying the Word, memorizing Scripture. Hey, just memorize Scripture like I do. I hadn't made those statements, but I should be able to make them. Love your neighbor. Be good to people. Hey, just do, follow my example. Be like me. Love your wives. Hey, just follow me. Paul says, follow me. Imitate me. In these latter days, it's good to have a good example, isn't it? And I'm looking around this church, and I'm seeing people who love the Lord. And I think about my kids. I'm so glad my children are here. My kids, they love church. You know, Jeannie and I are teaching them and um, teach them the Word and teach them how to love people. And But I, I look around, I see an awful, a lot of people here that I, Backing me up. Men and women who my kids can look to and view up close, not from a distance, but up close. Yeah. So, just a, a question for you Who are you following? Do you have a Paul in your life? Do you have a Paul in your life? And then the second question is do you, Who's watching you? Do you have a Timothy? So during these latter times, it's good. Hey, it's good. We need people that we can emulate, good examples to follow. And where are you going to find them? 
Church is a good place to, to look, right? Kind of like trying to find a spouse, right? Where do you find them? Church is a good place to start looking, I think. Second thing, verse 12, 13, expect persecution and evil to flourish. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And read any paper, any newspaper, read the headlines any day, see this reality. I got a few for you, Bo. Yesterday, Reuters.com, I go to their, I look at their news headlines. I don't read the articles a lot of times. I just try to keep up with what's going on. Greek same-sex couples raced away after historic vote. Yesterday, CNN. Jennifer Lopez pokes fun at being a four-time bride and can't get enough music video. Headline. CNN. Morgan, I was going to ask you how to pronounce this dude's name. I don't know. Little N-A-S. Little Nas. I don't know who that is. Kids are over laughing. Oh, you probably ought to know, should know either. That stuff is probably trashy. <laughs> hey, his music probably trashy and y'all over laughing because I don't know what it is. I'd be crying because you know, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's, this is the headline. It's another headline to CNN, okay? His name, whatever it is, stirs things up with Jay Christ music video. And I just had, I was like, what in the world? So I had to look at it. Yeah, he's, on the, he's in a video where he's on a cross, like a crucifix. A little sacrilegious, I'd say. Again, evil's going to flourish. You will be persecuted. Evil's going to flourish. You know, you know, so I'm just, you know that. I'm just reading some of these headlines. Police, this is January 19th. 2024, Associated Press, as police charged man with killing suburban Philly neighbor after feuding over defendants' loud snoring. They're in an apartment, and their bedrooms, you know, are, they just have a wall separating their bedrooms, so one of the rascals snoring. Now, I got a couple of folks I've been tempted around here. We went on tr trips with. I was like, I've tempted to kill them jokers too, but... I mean, it just shows you the depravity, right? And this is a good one. This was, this was in October of last year. Um, the Pope just opened the door to blessing same-sex couples. This nun secretly blessed one more than 15 years ago. Catholic Church doing us some good there, huh? CBS News there in October. Evil is flourishing. That's obvious. And persecution is on the rise in the world. That's obvious, too, if you read the news. And you think in America things are changing here as well, aren't they? You have people who are quietly protesting abortion clinics getting long jail time for just being there. Kind of wild, isn't it? But, you know, we, we know that in the past, the past century, more Christians died in the past century than all previous ones combined. So we, I know in America we're kind of insulated. Thinking, oh, persecution, uh, people are dying for the faith. You hear about that. It's almost like it's a, it's fictitious made up. But we've been, we've been there and we've been Seen it. No, it happens. Jenny's, some of her friends, they were in Pakistan in church like this. Somebody walked in the back, back door and pulled a pin out of a hand grenade and just rolled it underneath the pews. And here it comes rolling out here. And, you know, it happens. It's happening every day. 
these African countries, these Muslim militants are coming in villages and killing the men and dragging off the, the women and the girls because they're Christians. It's happening. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. We see this elsewhere, John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for the, the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in his name, but also suffer for his sake. Philippians was written in the jail cell as well. Paul's first imprisonment. In their commentary on the pastoral epistles, Ken Hughes and Brian Chapel, they write, Our culture flees suffering, seeing nothing noble in it or beyond it, but Christians must expect it in the regular course of serving God. I told you, I've shared this with you um, before, but we had a young brother that we spent seven years pouring into and where we live there there wasn't a lot of other foreigners so it was kind of easy to track us and this guy they the authorities kind of gave him a hard time mainly because he spent time with us and he somebody got word to me he had been called in for questioning and so I saw him later that evening. Uh, he came to our house and I said oh man I'm so sorry I was just apologetic man I know I'm sorry that you know this happened to you and you had a rough day and blah, blah, blah. And he like looks at me. And this is a guy I've been discipling, you know, pouring my life into. And he looks at me and says, isn't this what the Bible tells us to expect? He wasn't surprised at all. And it wasn't like he wasn't bothered. I mean, he had a rough day, but it's like, well, yeah, this, I signed up for this. I signed up for it. Uh, it's nothing new, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, where the student begins to teach the teacher there, right? Yeah. If we seek to, to be godly in this life, you'll feel the pressure of the, of the opposition of the enemy in this world. I'm not saying you're going to lose your life or lose your job or whatever, but you'll be opposed by the enemy. It says... Verse 13, what direction are things headed? They're from bad to worse. Things aren't getting better. They're getting worse, and we see that in our culture. And then this, what's the fundamental characteristic of this op opposition? It says, deceiving and being deceived. You, you ever wonder, you're watching the news, and, and you see some of this crazy stuff that goes on. Like those that applaud babies being aborted. People applaud, get excited, like at a ball game. You know, I'm a Tennessee fan. We got one right here. Tennessee wins, man. Maybe you're a Memphis fan. They score a touchdown, whatever. You're like, ah, you get excited. They do this when something happens and they're able to abort babies. They're like, yeah, isn't it awesome? What's going on there? You say, well, that's wicked. It is, but they're, they're deceived. They think that's a good thing. Can't determine right from wrong and wrong from right. They applaud wickedness. As if it's wonderful. 
those that applaud this, the same-sex marriages, all these elections, and when something goes their way, just, they think it's the greatest thing because they're deceived. They think this is wonderful. They really do. Or those that are applauding all these, all this legislation dealing with children and teenagers being able to change their gender, trying to change their gender, right? They can't really do that. They try to. They just applaud that. What's going on there? They're just deceived. They're thinking they're, they think it's a good thing. They're just deceived by the enemy, for sure. So during these latter times when things are getting worse, what do, how do we, how can we flourish? How can we live? Well, by following good examples. Being in an environment with people who love Jesus and follow saying, you know what, I want to I wanna be like that man. Maybe, maybe you're a you're young, young married dude. Maybe you got kids and you're young. You think, I'm just trying to figure this thing out. Maybe you had a good dad, maybe you didn't. But you're like, maybe look around here and, and, and latch on to some of these older men. If you see their lives, they say, man, you mind if I just follow you and watch you? And I did that. I moved to Louisville and there was a man there. I just asked him, I said, look, I want to I be godly. I want to love the Lord. I want to know how to love my wife. And can I just spend time with you? I don't care. Going to Walmart? Working around your house, I don't care. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to learn. That's that's some. That's one of these Pauls. Yeah. How do we how do we live in this life? We 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 follow the examples of godly people. We got to not be surprised by the evil going on in the world. It's going to yeah. This sometimes we're surprised by it. I think, but shouldn't we not just be surprised that it's not as bad as it could be. That's common grace, as Brent talked about. Yeah, just we expect that from the world. And thirdly, how do we live flourish? How do we live in this latter days? Thirdly, is just continue in the word. Look at 14 through 17. But as for you, Paul speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I see these children. We have children's church, and I see these kids come by. I mean, I love that. That's great. We have small groups, Sunday school classes for kids at 930, and we, we, we teach kids during big church time. I saw, saw your, uh, your notebook somewhere. It had big church and little church. You know, little church, a small group, and then big church. I think that, I think it was, but I was like, who's this? And then found your name. Hey, put your names in your notebooks. I'm finding stuff all the time around this church. I don't know who it belongs to. Put your name in all your stuff so I can get back to you, okay? Um, there's a... There is a um, present tense imperative here. Continue. Do it and keep on doing it. Don't stop doing it, right? Continue in what you have learned. And, and I get excited. I see these kids here because they're in church and they're learning the things of God. And hopefully you're teaching those things at home as well. And, and we've got a lot of great opportunities for your kids to, to learn here Small group Sunday morning, 
what we call Sunday school classes maybe. We have worship, then the kids can go and, and, and study. And then we have a kids page on the back of the bulletin for those who are here. And then Wednesday nights, we have children. We have a team that teaches kids, and it's great. They're awesome. And then we have students. They have a Bible study. And then we have adults together. But I'm looking at all these kids here, and I'm really excited that you brought your kids to church. I think that's important. My dad, my mom, never missed. We were always in church. And I think it's a good thing. Thankful for that. Continue in what you have learned. He follow my example. Continue following me. And then he's continuing the word. Timothy had been taught the scriptures. You remember by his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. We saw that. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. I wonder what kind of devotions they had as a family. I don't know. I just wonder. I don't have any answers. I just wonder what kind of, what they did around the, the dinner table. Or they, what? Timothy was taught by his mama, his grandmama, but don't forget Paul. Paul had a big impact on his life as a young man. And Timothy has been following Paul around for, like I said, the last 15 years or so. He says, keep on pursuing the word and learning the word and living by the word. And that's a characteristic of a believer. We're word-centered, word-driven people. We're people of the word. Notice it says in verse 15, it has the power to save. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Rhetorical question. How many Christians we got in this in this place. How many people are born again? How many people, as Brent said, has repented and believed? And, and a lot of hands would go up. You're a Christian because you heard the Word of God being taught. No one is a Christian without hearing the Word of God. You know, what about the man on the island? What about the people where you used to live? You know, that's why we went. Because without hearing the gospel, they're eternally condemned because they're at enmity with God. They're born in sin. Right? Yeah. It has the power to say because it's God's word. It's the word of the all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-wise creator, and it has power to save. I told this story again. I'm going to tell you another one. Some of you are new here. You're visiting. You've never heard this. So I'm going to share it with you. We, had a, we lived overseas in East Asia. We had a lady that worked for us. When you go overseas, there's just a lot of things you have to do. Using a, you know, it's different language, different culture, a lot, of, a lot of things. Where we lived, it was a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape, and there's a lot of things we had to get done. So we hired this lady to just help us do, just live life. Third world country, just, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of effort just to live, just to cook and live. And we had four little ones. And she helped us a lot. And, and when we hired her, she came and we met her through somebody. She came and we just kind of talked to her a little bit. And my language was, was not very good at the time, but I just set her down at the table and I just shared the gospel with her the best I could in, in Chinese. And, and I, I shared that with her. And I'm just as serious, you know, and in my mind as I'm, I'm, I'm saying these words. I'm praying because I'm like, help me, help me say it right. Help me say it clearly. And I'm praying for her. And when I get finished, she looks at me and she just starts laughing. Just laughing. <laughs> you know? But that happened a lot there. 
because they didn't know how to respond. If something made them feel uncomfortable, they just really know how to, they just start laughing, you know. You know, I'm just telling about Jesus dying and his resurrection and that, how he loved, loves her, and, you know, she laughs. And I told her, and we, we hired her, and she worked for us, you know. She'd come over a couple days a week and just help us with whatever. But I told her, I said, we're, we're studying the language, and I was teaching at a university. That was, that was, uh, that was my job. But we were um, learning the language, and so Jenny and I would, I said, we're going to share this story with you because it's important to us, but we're trying to learn the language. And so when she would come, I would share the story. I would practice, and then Jenny would practice. And her language, because she's smart, they would tell me a lot of that. Why is your wife so smart and you're so stupid? No joke. They said that all the time. Uh, she knew that she had lived there two years. She knew a lot of the language. I didn't know. I couldn't say hello. And so they would always say, man, your wife is so smart and you are so stupid. No joke. They would literally say that. Um, and so she would practice a story, and I would practice a story. So about six, eight months later, she walks in our house you know, going to work, and she says, she says, hey, she said, I told that Jesus story to my husband. I was like, really? So like, yeah. She said, I, I've told it to me so many times. I know the story, so I told it to my husband. And I was just blown away. I said, what did he say? He said, well, he asked me some questions, and I just tried to I explained the best I knew how. But then he asked me another question. I kind of said, there. I said what did he ask you? She said, he asked me if I believe that story is true. I said, what did you tell him? She said, I told him I know it's true. I know it's true. Six, eight months later, she laughs at me, and now she says, I know this is true. What happened? What happened? Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. Why do we come to church? It's worship day. It's Sunday. That's what we do on Sunday. That's what we do. Hopefully your kids know that. Yeah, it's worship day. We go to church. Why are we here? Because we want to hear the word. We want to sing the word. That's what we do. When we sing our songs, we always sing truth. And we, we're, we're trying to study the Word because it's living and active. It, it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierced to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love to read. I read a lot. I really like to read. You read books. Books is knowledge, right? You read the Bible, it's living. It does something to us. It does something for us. It brings conviction. It results in joy, peace, empowerment. Romans 1.16 Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Lady, we, we, English name is Judy. We'd send emails back. Pray for Judy. Pray for Judy. Yeah, she sit under hearing the gospel, hearing the word. Yeah. Her thoughts and her heart was changed, right? 
It has the power to say because it is the inspired word of God. Look at verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's God breathed. It has its origins in God. It's not man's word. It's God's word. And it's not just inspiring. You might watch a movie or read a book. I love biographies, autobiographies, true stories. Some things I read are really, really inspiring. But God's word is objectively inspired. It is God's word. And so as we read it and we hear it being taught and we sing it, it does something for us. It changes us. It's God's word. And it's also beneficial. Look at verse 16. It's beneficial. It's profitable. For what? For teaching. What does that word teaching mean? informs us what we should do. It tells us how we should live. It tells us how we should think. It tells us how we should feel. That's why we read the Bible. Because how I feel isn't necessarily how God feels about a certain thing. And so I need to feel, I need to have God's heart for, for whatever. I need to think like God thinks and I need to act like God would act. It's beneficial for reproof. Now, that's a strange word. Real simple. Teaching is telling you what you should do. Reproof telling you what you shouldn't do. Anybody need to be taught you shouldn't do that? Yeah, you got little ones. You got babies right here. I love the babies, right? You got little ones. You have to swat that hand. Swat that hand. Don't touch that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't touch that receptacle. Uh, 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 uh. Don't do that. Correction. Correction. Well, ain't that a lot like reproof? Yes, similar. Correction is when you get off the straight path. Correction is, tells you how to get back on it. it. Means restoration to an upright state. Teaching, and about telling you what you should do, reproof, what you shouldn't do, correction is when you get off track, how to get back on the right path, the narrow way. And then training in righteousness. Training in righteousness, just how to become like Jesus. That's my oversimplified explanation of those words, but I think they're, I think they're right. I think that's about right. Look at verse 17. This word equips us for ministry. It has the power to save. It's beneficial and it equips us for ministry. Are you a minister of the gospel? You think, no, that's you, dude. You the preacher. Morgan, you might think of Morgan. Yeah, he's a minister of the gospel. That's what he wants to do with his life. Preach the word, but no, we're... If you're a born-again believer, you're a minister of the gospel. Now, yeah, you're not, not may be a vocational minister, but you're a minister of the gospel. We all do ministry, don't we? Real quickly, Psalm 19. I missed preaching last week, so i got to kind of preach longer. Scratch the itch, you know. Preach night, uh, Psalm 19. Look real quickly. Psalm 19, and we'll be done. 
Psalm 19. We're going to read through this and praise team is going to sing us out of here. Psalm 19. This is wonderful. Application. You know, we have, how do we apply this text? One of the things we can do is memorize scripture. Memorize First. 16 of 2 Timothy 3, maybe. Maybe memorize this. This is wonderful. The law of the Lord is perfect, starting in verse 7, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise as simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warning. Keeping them, there is great reward. God's word is living and active and it's so good. It's his word and it's profitable. Equips us to do ministry because we are ministers of the gospel. Who are you emulating? Do you have a Paul in your life? You need to have a Paul in your life. Who's watching you? You need to have a Timothy. Pray the Lord to use you as you live your life, your godly demeanor under trials to impact the lives of others. Do difficulties surprise you? Are you blown away because you have trouble in life? Because when you stand for truth, you get a little kickback? No, don't be surprised. God's Word tells us, yeah, we're to expect that. And maybe memorize some of these scriptures about the Word of God. It's living and active. If you're cold, let the Word of God warm you. If you're asleep, let it wake you. If you're a backslider, let it warn you. If you are defiled, let it wash you. If you're disobedient, let it spank you. If you're uncertain, let it witness to you. And if you're unsaved, let it win you. God's Word tells us God's story. God's Word isn't, isn't about man, it's about God. And God loved man. He created him and gave him commandments and, which he broke. And because we're all sinful, we're separated from the Lord. We don't know God. We can't communicate with Him. And because of our rebellion, living our lives like this, we deserve God's judgment. And judgment is coming. If you're separated from the Lord and you die, you'll be in hell for all eternity where God will pour out His wrath upon you. But God doesn't want you to go to hell. He sent His Son Jesus to live perfectly for you, the life you should live. And He died on the cross, not because He deserved to, but He willingly went there to take the punishment of sinners like you and like me. While He was on that cross, dying in that terrible death, the Father poured out His wrath upon the Son. Jesus died and was buried. On the third day, he rose, the Bible says, so we could be justified, meaning we could be reconciled, we could be made right with the Father. God's perfect. We're not. But because of Jesus, if we repent, as Brent told us, if we repent and believe the work that Jesus did on the cross, we can be reconciled.
and we can know God. And we can have a relationship with Him. And we can call Him Father and we can draw near to Him. And we can have fellowship with Him. We can walk with Him. And we can join arms with other Christians and live life for the glory of God. Now that don't mean it's easy. It's a lot easier just to do what you want to do. Feed the flesh. It's easier to do what you want to do. But I wouldn't trade living that life for the life I'm living now for nothing in the world. Brent talked about repentance. We don't just repent once. We, it's a lifestyle. It's something we do because we're sinners. I'm born again. I'm a, a child of God, not because of anything I've done, but because of God's mercy and grace. But you know what? I still blow it all the time. I ask my wife. I ask my kids. What I do, I, just, I repent, and God is right there to take me back in. Won't you stand with us? Praise team, come on up. Sing us out the building, but we're going to pray. I'm so glad you're here. If you are uh, not a Christian and you're like, man, I'm separated from the Lord and I don't want to be. I want to know the Father. I, wanna, I want what happened to Brent. I want that to happen to me. Then I'd love to talk to you about that. I'll be the last one here. I'd love to talk with you about that, about how you can repent and know the Lord. Father, we are so thankful for your word. It is living and active, and we've been changed. Many of us have been changed by it. Father, we recognize that there's some here that maybe haven't been changed by the word, and I pray that you would bring about conviction by your Holy Spirit. Just as the, the thing that happened to Judy, I pray that that would happen with other people here today that, that are lost. And I pray that you would draw them to yourself. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that you've given us your son that lived and died so that we could know you. And Father, you empower us by your Holy Spirit to live a life pleasing to the Father. And we just ask you would empower us in this difficult day living in this world that's so full of wickedness. Help us to be looking for people to emulate. And Lord, help us to be good examples for those that are around us. Father, help us not to be surprised by the wickedness of the world and persecution, but help us endure it as we lean on and study and memorize your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.